This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret phrase is hellish rebuke. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is Amanda Cherry. Amanda is an author, actor, and sailboat owner who lives in Seattle, the Seattle suburbs with her husband, 10-year-old kid, and two dogs. She began her authorial journey by writing fanfic in a three-ring binder that eventually got reverently passed around Escadia High School in 1993. Her fourth published novel, Bad Intentions, was released on November 21st by DEFCON 1 Publishing, a small press out of Seattle, which will also be publishing her February 2024 release. Uh, for fun, Amanda sings and is occasionally allowed to play guitar in a rock and roll cover band. She's an MC announcer for Jet City Roller Derby and a season ticket holder to the Seattle Kraken. She's also a cast member on the actual play D&D game Grey Mantle on the Dungeon Scrawlers Twitch channel. Welcome, Amanda. Glad to have you here on the show. I'm so excited to be here. I listen to the show and yeah, I'm very excited. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's excellent. Yes, you were one of the tens of... <laughs> of people who listen to this show so that that is fantastic uh and you know the whole point is to help folks get to know you uh get to get to you know find out oh okay this is the person behind this book that i am loving right now so i am very glad to have you here and of course as everyone who is watching on youtube can see we always dress up in these fantastic costumes but then we have to explain them for folks who are listening on the podcast so what did you choose to wear for the show today so, you know, it's a Sunday afternoon and it's been a holiday weekend. So for me, it's like comfort is key. So I decided I was going to throw on this screen applic accurate replica of the green dress that Vivian Lee wore uh, in the jailhouse scene in the 1939 motion picture Gone with the Wind. Uh, famously in the story, Scarlett has had this dress made out of her mother's velvet curtains. And so it just, you know, it's homey. And, and you just have that around. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, velvet curtain dress, you know, that's, see, I had to make, I wanted to go with the same kind of vibe, so the same time period, but I had to make mine, and so in order to match, I'm, I've got the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz, which I had to make out of cardboard, this took me hours and hours and hours last night, I smell like silver spray paint, uh, and, but because it's cardboard, at least it's not making noise during the show, so that's. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's doing great, you're doing Victor Fleming very proud, and I appreciate that we, we dressed up as Victor Fleming's two 1939 projects, both of which won Oscars, like nobody else had a chance that year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that in the same year, what are the odds? I'm trying to think of any other year that's got two iconic films of that level. There are, is there really anything where there was a year that was so good? Well, not uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, there, there were probably like film majors no out there going like men came out in the same year. Those were both really great iconic yeah. films. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's there's nothing not nothing on that level in the same time period. So, so um, I am very excited to have you on the show. I wanted to ask you. You are a notorious on the superhero fiction discord for of all things oreo cookies Explain i am to everybody I am. how this happened 
Okay. So um, last year when the first Femmes Fatale book, which uh, took four years to write and it was never supposed to be published. It was a short story from an anthology that got canceled and we were having way too much fun writing it. And then our editor found out we were still working on it. And we're like, hey, send that to me. Um, she was like, yes, we want, not only do we want to publish this, you actually have two books here. Like, let's make this happen. I was going to say, yeah. So how long was the original short story? Just a little. I, it was like 4,000 words. Yeah. And then keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, when you don't have to meet the brief anymore, you can do whatever you want. And what we wanted apparently was to write a trilogy by accident. But um, when that <laughs> right. book was coming out, it came out the day before the day after, right around my birthday. And I was like, I'm gonna have a party and it's gonna be book launch themed. And one of the things I discovered was that Oreo will make you custom Oreo cookies with anything you want on them. Anything? So, uh, they do have some like content guidelines and you have to have the rights to whatever art. Yes. So you can have like happy birthday or you can have your name or you can have your like wedding anniversary or whatever. Um, But I had my care. I got my cover artist to send me the character's portraits oh, and I had them oh, put on Oreos. Cool. And so now every time someone on super fi superhero fiction has a book launch, they're like, I should do Oreos. And I'm like, you really should. I don't think anybody else has it yet, but um, I have a reading on Tuesday with a bunch of other Cobalt City authors and I did get more Oreos made. So this oh, is a real custom Cobalt City Oreo um, that will be available at my reading on Tuesday because um, I can't stop now. It's like the thing I'm known for. It yeah, would be where's really the, where, so where, where and when's the reading? It's on Tuesday night. Uh, that's November the 28th at Distant World Coffee House in Seattle. Um, it's going to be a blast. There's going to be five different stories from six different authors. Um, and and Oreos are our free gift. with purchase. Yeah. And, and this will go up on Monday night. So oh, maybe so, some yeah, folks tomorrow. will in time. Yeah, it'll be tomorrow. So yes, go, go get or custom Oreos. That's a great idea. I, I, yeah. And forever I will be known as like the author who brings the Oreos. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's like as, as we're learning about this career, you know, you learn these things over time where you're like, oh yeah, you should have this thing on your table when you are tabling at this event. You should, And then you just, you know, acquire these. And so, yes, you are going to be the person who informed everybody. Custom Oreos. That's a great custom idea. Custom Oreos. You just go to like the, the, you can get them on the Oreo website. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. And so, yes, these, these are real official Oreos, but they're yeah. larger, right? They're they, like, so they look big because they've been dipped in chocolate and then rolled in sprinkles. But oh. beneath there is a standard Oreo. There's some choices on like what kind of cream center you're going to get. Like there are some choices. The sprinkles come in all different colors, but um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, my fiance and I are going to throw, we're going to have the, the wedding itself this year. We've just recently decided we'll be out with family in Ohio and then a big party in the summer. And I'm thinking those, yeah. that's a great idea for the, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that will, and she is a giant Oreo fan. So especially if they do the peanut butter, so that will not be hard to convince her um, to, to do those for the, the, the festivities. So uh, what's something pop culture wise, we always talk about, you know, how we are not writing. What's, what are we procrastinating with? What is, what is taking us away from our work? So what is something that is kind of in pop culture taking you away from your work lately? I mean, if you had asked me last week, I would have just said nothing but the Eras tour. Um, I'm a big Swifty and so is my kid. But this week was American Thanksgiving. And the big American Thanksgiving tradition is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Little known fact or possibly widely known fact about me at this point is that I grew up in musical theater and as a dancer, I always wanted to be a rocket. 
your girl is five three was never gonna happen. Oh. Um, but I'm they, are they all? I'm, I I have been to New York. I've done the like backstage, you know, tour thing. But I never realized they do all have to be the exact same height. Basically, they have to be. It used to be like five eight to six one, and they actually reduced the height this year. You could be like five five, I think, in audition. But uh, still, I'm still not tall enough. And now I'm so old, it would not. It wouldn't look good. Um, <laughs> but so I'm very, very into the Rockettes, and also as a performer, I've always loved Sesame Street. I spent some time working as a puppeteer. I have friends who are puppeteers. Um, most famously, if you watch the new Doctor Who. Uh, my friend Brian puppeteers one of the creatures in there. Oh, very uh, cool. So, yeah, I, puppeteering. So between the Rockettes and Sesame Street, this week has been like all about behind the scenes videos from the Macy's Parade. I understand there was some Macy's Day Parade kind of drama this year too, but I didn't see it. I, I, I admit the Macy's Day Parade is something that I don't always see. I sometimes, you know, miss my Macy's Day Parade. So wasn't there some Macy's Day Parade uh, uh, news this week? Uh, the only news I've, the only thing I'm aware of that you might be talking about is that the the balloons were all underinflated this year. Yes. Um, and people were talking about that. What they didn't realize, and I know this as a sailor, uh, they were having gusts of 15 to 20 knots uh, in New York City the morning of the parade. And I don't know if you've ever experienced 15 to 20 knot gusts. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, and it's a whole lot when you are like holding 350,000 square feet of helium oh, yeah. in between like city streets. So they did underinflate the balloons so they could keep better control of them. Uh, it's some of them wore it better than others, and so some of them looked uh, like things were very much going wrong. And yeah. Some of them wrong. So um, some some were sad. <laughs> they were. They were like Snoopy's hat was drooping, and like the Diary of a Wimpy Kid, his one arm was just where all the helium seemed to have been like <laughs> lost from. It was not cute. But like Pillsbury Doughboy looked fine. Grogu from Star Wars looked fine. You couldn't tell that they were underinflated. You just could see that they were flying low. Yeah, um, yeah. I I remember a video from years ago where they got some wind they were not expecting and it was lifting the people. I mean, they were holding on to those ropes. They did not give up and they were being just lifted off the ground. It was, it was you know, wonderful to watch for spectators, but it must have been terrifying for them. Oh, I'm sure. Like, uh, famously, several years ago, Barney lost a little bit of control and caught on a building and tore a big hole. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no one was real sad to lose Barney the dinosaur, <laughs> except the people that paid to build that balloon. A lot, um, yeah. But yeah, so you just, you don't want to ruin those balloons. So yes. you, do, you do what you can. You'd rather than be a little sad on Thanksgiving Day than real sad that you never get to use them again. Well, so. we'll watch something just horrific on national television where one of those people goes, you know, five stories up, holds onto the rope. <laughs> balloon carnage, balloon handler carnage. Like, like let's, let's all yes. be safe. Remember the Thanksgiving of 2023 when, <laughs> yeah. And the balloon just went completely haywire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um what about in the news what's been keeping you away from your work this lately um I try I and I know this is a very privileged position to take to not spend too much time with my head down in like the real world news there's too much it's all too awful um the world is a complete dumpster fire so if I let myself think too hard about it I will spiral at no work will ever get done my child will not be fed my laundry will not get done um, so I do have to temper my uh, exposure to what is going on in the outside world. However, a friend of mine sold her debut. Oh, that's and great. She got her cover art this week and was allowed to reveal it. So the big thing that I've been screaming about 
rather than doing work this week is uh, author Melinda Mitchell's um, debut novel. It's coming out in December from Eris Entertainment, and she's so excited. And um, so looking at that has been has mostly been what's distracted me this week. Yes. What's the title of that one? It is called, I don't want to get this wrong. Hold on. I want to say Next of Kin is the name of it. Yeah, gonna, and we'll I'm... pull up the um, the, uh, the the art itself and toss it up for the YouTube yeah, viewers. I they are seeing it. it here right now uh and then uh and then uh so we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so folks who are want to check yes, that it out. is called next of kin it is a sci-fi retelling of the story of the book of ruth oh and, very um, cool that's a good yeah. concept yeah she has a background in theology and it's just she's such a smart writer and i'm i'm so excited this book found a home and yeah, yeah so that's, that's that is that's cool. coming that's, in December. That's and then very much another friend of mine has a book out this coming Tuesday, so I've also been helping her scream about that. Oh, that's about that later, probably too. Well, and I, I mean, it is so important for us as authors to be supporting one another too. I, I, I think we come into this profession as folks who are exposed to other jobs that are competitive. And writing really isn't like it does not hurt me a bit. If people read more, it helps me. And so all, you know, we want to support one another as much as we possibly can. Uh, Absolutely. One of the first things I learned and one of the things I try to pass on to newer authors, pre-published authors, is that the others in your field and especially in your genre and age category and subgenre, they are your colleagues, not yeah. your competition. Yeah. Um pretty much all of my closest friends write very similar things to what I write. And uh, you know what that means? That means we can go out in packs. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's can... it's great for us in terms of marketing. Yeah, I just had a, a, a launch party for my most recent one with Kate Ristow, which meant we both brought in the, you know, these kind of fandoms and they were allowed to go, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll check out hers. I'll check out his. So yeah, it's, it's a really uh, great thing when we can work together and there's no... There, there's, I mean, I, I understand there is potentially a maximum limit where people could, you know, read so much they cannot read anymore. No one is there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on TikTok and that's a really high number. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's really our competition. Our competition is YouTube, TikTok, Netflix. It's everything sure. else taking people's attention away. But if we're, you know, on those places saying, hey, read Manda's book, like that's, you know, Exactly. Uh, one of my dearest friends in the world is a very well-known multi-award winning author. And like, I did a book event with her um, because they asked her, hey, who would you like to come interview you? And she's like, oh, you know what? Manda's car has heated seats. Let's do that. Um, and you know what? Powell sold out of my book. Yeah. Yep. Because I was there with her. Like, it's the it, people are not your competition. They're your colleagues. Readers want more books. You cannot possibly, we as a collective cannot possibly write them fast enough. Yes. <laughs> as fast as people read them. So like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, there, and there are so many, like the, many of the big name authors I know are so generous too, with their time, with their willingness, because they remember being in the trenches, you know, and it sucks. And so that it is great when they're like, oh yeah, I'll help you out. Uh, that's, that is very cool. Yeah. I, I, I wish I'd been at that event in Powell's. Powell's is for the folks who are not in the Pacific Northwest, Powell's is kind of one of our meccas. It is, uh, it is one of the largest bookstores in the country. And it is it, it to, to have an event at Powell's that must've been really cool. Well, when was I still, that? I still have the poster. 
And ours was actually at like the the out of town Powell's with better parking, yes. so that was fine. Uh, but I did I saw the poster like I carried around in my car with yeah. me, so when imposter syndrome strikes, yes, I can see my picture on the thing that's like at Powell's. <laughs> yep, I would never. I I would do the exact same thing. Like, yep, I, I, you know that that would go with me everywhere. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, that's Amanda excellent. Cherry and Sean and McGuire at Powell's. As a yes. matter of fact, oh yeah, oh yeah, and I understand she is super cool too. It is one of those people who's really supportive. She's a fun follow too on. Uh, oh yeah, I mean she's on Twitter, but uh, she's also now shifting more to uh, uh, is it Blue Sky. Blue or Sky, yeah. yeah. And so yes, recommend uh, good good follow there. Um, so what is something just hobby wise that you have been getting involved in that is getting you away from your writing? Uh, I, I got a couple of those things. Um, you know, back in 2020, when people were like, oh, I'm going to be home for a while, uh, people started like making pandemic impulse purchase. I'm going to buy an air fryer. I'm going to buy some yarn and learn to crochet. I bought a 30 foot sailboat. <laughs> Which is you bought a lifestyle. I did. <laughs> Um, but I had to cancel a vacation that I've been planning for a long time and I was just bummed about it. And I'm like, yeah. you know how I can take a vacation and not see another human is if I buy a boat. So I did. Um, and my husband, bless him, <laughs> let this happen. Yeah. <laughs> Did not fight me. Um, and so I have learned to sail. I had never been around so sailboats cool. before. I'd only been around motorboats, but I'm a boat girly. I'm originally from the Gulf coast of Florida. Um, so I, I I would like to say I spend my time sailing, but I spend my time doing boat chores. I was going to say, um, yeah, taking care of the boat. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I got to wash the lines. I got to swab the deck. I got to flush the engine. I learn, I can change the oil. I can tighten the belts. So um, what kind of cabin space does a 30 foot sailboat have? Uh, she, we could sleep five if we were real cozy. Um, but our little family, just two adults, a kid and pets, we are super comfy. Um, oh. I've got a propane stove and a grill that clamps onto the transom and it's got a little fireplace so if it gets cold you can actually build a little fire That's... in the boat it's she's so cute oh. um so i do that a lot that's also my great place if i really need to go be head down working and not get interrupted by like normal other people live in this house stuff um i can just go and like lock myself on the boat that's how i finished the last two revisions of the book. So it's it. not just a, a book, you know, it is also office space. Like it's... it is also office space. Um, I have my little office up here, but other people live in this house. Yeah. And they're not silent all the time. Yeah. Now, when you uh, want to write on the boat, do you sometimes take it out to write or was that too much distraction and it's better to just be I, I have not taken it out and done writing while I was out alone on the boat. Yeah. Um, Because you got to be conscientious at However, least enough yeah it is one of those things where if i need to think through a story problem if i i can occupy my eyes and my hands steering the boat especially under power if i'm not under sail um and let my mind go there yeah uh and it'll keep it'll keep me focused a lot like i i joke but i'm not joking that if i get writer's block i have to drive to portland because yeah. the physical act of operating the car keeps me like occupied makes my body doing things but then my mind can just wander because i don't need to pay that this much attention to what i'm doing i've made that drive 50 times 
And usually November that reconsidered is. And a couple laps what around is. the lake alone on the boat with a little music a playing. I have learned we'll do that. See, I can't do the music. Like when is, uh, but the driving totally. I can do, um, I've done uh, voice recordings where as I'm driving on the freeway, turn off the song, an idea came to me, and now I'm just talking it out and, you know, voice to text, and then I get home and the voice to text files are not great, but they're enough, you know, to go, oh, that was the idea. When I, when I get that good, I will wind up with like a, a minute of dialogue that I can recite just flawlessly. Yep. Both sides are all three of them. And like, I know what it is. And that's exactly, I turn my voice to text on and uh, it'll, it'll get enough. Yeah. That you can that remember. I, can let myself I know what, let I, know what I was trying dialogue to say. And move on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I get home and I'm like, that's not what will end up on the page, but I can remember it. <laughs> that's not what I said, but I, but I can transcribe it. Yes. Into something, something useful. Uh, that is very cool. So what's the furthest you've ever gone on the on the boat? Uh, we went and spent a week out at Blake Island, which is just this like uninhabited, you can only get to it by boat island, sort of out in Elliott Bay. As new boat owners, we haven't tried to go real far yet. Well, that's we good. Just, yeah, it's a lot. I, I don't want to have to call the Coast Guard. Yes. Um, but yeah. we, we did that. We were completely like self-sufficient for like I think we were on that, we were on a mooring ball for like five days. So I was all our own food and water and toilet and everything right there, just us. And that was, I loved it. And I I would do that every year. The problem is uh, we don't have reliable enough summer up here. Yeah. If you're like, oh, it's going to be hot next week. Like you probably, everything's booked up and you, you just have yeah. to guess when it's going to be nice outside. Well, that was, yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why uh, Crystal and my wedding was going to be outdoors. And we're like, this last summer, we were going to a writing event and the writing event was canceled because of the fire smoke. And we went, yeah, outdoors is not reliable enough here in Pacific no. Northwest anymore. <laughs> I mean, no, it never really like was, but... With a sailboat, um, if you're unfamiliar with the Seattle area, we have what's called the Ship Canal, which takes you, big ships, if you want them to, all the way from Elliott Bay in the saltwater through Lake Union and into Lake Washington. Mm. And we are moored on Lake Washington because it's five minutes from our house. Like we, We're moored close by so we can use the boat as much as possible. And so if we want to go out into saltwater, it's several hours just to get to... Yeah the Hiram Chittenden locks, and then you got to go through the locks, which is a whole production. Um, and it, on the way, there are four drawbridges. And depending on the height of your mast, you have to get the bridge to lift. Um, and if it gets hot enough for long enough, they can't. Why because so? Because the metal is not... Yeah. Oh. If, fear, if, it's, if it's over, I want to say 85 degrees for more than a certain number of hours, that if they open the bridge, they won't get it back down. And they're they're automotive bridges. Like, so you can get stuck on the wrong side of a drawbridge. That sounds like a serious design flaw to me. Like that they didn't plan, hey, we need to be able to move this all year round. These bridges are like a hundred years old, and it was so rare yeah. when they were being built for it to ever be that temperature in Seattle that they just never thought the climate would change enough that that would become a concern. I mean, that's a great illustration of the the ways climate change has unforeseen consequences. Like For nobody sure. thought bridges might expand in this weird way. Right, we have to open the drawbridge. Yeah. And we can't. It's, 
it's no. a serious you know the, the the that issue i mean it's it's not you know life and death for you know for you if you can't get out there but like uh, when uh, they were building there's a bridge across the bay in san diego and a huge amount of the navy is located in that bay and so they had to design the bridge so that it couldn't be bombed fall into the bay and lock all of the ships in and so the middle section floats and could potentially be removed. So that was a that was smart forward thinking design. That is uh, that is excellent engineering on their part. All of our bridges in Lake Washington float because it's so deep and the bottom is so terrible. Um, but then you look at them and you're like, how? Yeah, yeah. How Do they really? How are you floating? <laughs> yeah, makes no sense to me. But there's a reason I'm an author and not a physicist. Right, because right. My yeah, answer there. would be like magic and every yeah. so often you have to appease the deity that keeps the bridge floating or else your house like that's where i would go with it but apparently it's actually science i mean which is just you know science is just magic that we somebody figured out like you know Fair. so that's that, that I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that but now i'm curious like is it is it basically a big steel hold ship that lowers and you know raises into the wild <laughs> like, is it, right, right. I'm, i am curious just water <laughs> displacement and yeah oxygen yeah. things i don't understand but yeah right. that's now i'm curious i'll look that up um that is the, the the ship purchase is really cool so you are still very satisfied with this this choice yeah i love i love my boat it's my happy place um in the summer i've had several just like hey writer friends let's come over and have type and gripe on the deck of the boat um we 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 there was a, a bottle of wine and it was in the sun and we're like it should not be in the sun so I put it in a mesh bag and tossed it over the side and like hung it by a cleat because the yeah. lake is the perfect temperature for a bottle of wine um and then uh my my co-author I love him very much he was like well we could drink the wine or I brought this bottle of bourbon so we drank a bottle of bourbon and we forgot that there was wine in the lake uh so then I had to go back and and get a very nice bottle of Chateau Neuf to pop out of the lake and yes. spray it with the hose. And now it looks like it came out of a, like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I mean, uh, but, but we drank it. it was I was going to say it's still fine, right? And now there's now there's new lake wine. So it's like a new tradition with uh, my Seattle writer friends that we have lake wine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that sounds awesome. That's what that is a wonderful way to celebrate. You know, one of the things that I tell authors all the time is we don't celebrate enough. Like in, if you were in any other field, you'd go, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Susie from Shipping and Receiving. It's her birthday. There's cake in the break room. Like we don't have enough celebrations because we work alone often. And, you know, our events are far apart. Like, oh, here's this book launch. And, you know, and so I tell folks, oh, yeah, first draft finished. That's a party. And then, uh, you know, and then you, you know, that, that, that the thing that w was the vague publishing tweet, whatever it was, there should be a part right. like, yeah. uh, uh, if you look behind me, you'll see an orange box that's got a bottle of champagne in it. There was a second box that was pink. Um, and that is the champagne that I opened when I signed my deal with not a pipe. That's um, awesome. That was oh, my, that was my that. book deal. It had that book's name on it. <sighs> champagne. And it just sits well, there and, waiting and, for me. And um, I made a little TikTok video of like taking it down off the shelf and like opening it and putting it in the freezer. And are you comfortable with us telling folks about the book? Because yes, uh, oh my gosh, yes, it's so good. Everything. Okay, good, good, good. So yes, so so yes, uh, and and I, I promise your publisher will not get angry at us for talking about this because uh, I'm him. So <laughs> Dawn Calamity is this fantastic uh, uh, steampunk, like Zeppelin. Uh, uh, um, 
but but it's the culture of the book. I, I don't even know how to describe it as much as I am excited about it. Like it's really, really fun. So tell folks about this great book. Uh, yeah. So in, in 2008, it was my fourth year, fifth year doing NaNoWriMo. And I decided that all I wanted to do that year was bust a bunch of sci-fi tropes. I'm like, uh, I want to be a princess, but like angry about it. Like I want yes. her traveling by airship on Royal decree, but like, I want it to be the worst. Yes. Busted, broken down thing that got hauled out of a junkyard. Um, I want there to be like, uh, a pining slow burn romance thing. Uh, when when it's time to go out and attack the enemy, I want her to be like, no, yeah. that's how you get shot. Like, right. no. So it would it started out as that. It's sort of like, how many tropes can I bust? Uh, there's you know, and scene... I, I had not thought of that as I was reading it. Like, it was, it's just a thoroughly enjoyable story. But now, like thinking back, it is just like everything you would find in the you know cliche you know uh, 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 sci fi <laughs> novel. This one goes, nope. He no, knocks out of no. it real fast. The hero's uh, not like, yay, let's run into the machine gun fire. That would be awesome. Or not. <laughs> uh, there's there's a scene where there is a, a staple food item in one culture that's a delicacy in a different culture and just like completely inedible by a third culture. And like everyone's like, I don't understand how your relationship to this food. Um, but so I, I started it that way and it was going to be sci-fi, but it turns out I can't write sci-fi because that aforementioned, I don't understand science thing. And my husband kept asking me how like faster than light travel worked. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's not really sci-fi, it's space opera. And he's like, you have to know. And I'm like, I, I'll never know. So yeah, yeah. steampunk was really sort of having a moment in yeah. like 2010, 2011. I was like, so what if? And that was the first rewrite. And then um, I thought I might develop it into a web series for a hot minute because visually it could look cool. Hey, Netflix, oh, yeah. if you're listening. Oh, yeah, it would be um, great. Or like graphic novel, this would look really cool. Yeah. Um, but then I, I very quickly discovered I have written scripts that have gotten shot. Um, but my other job is I'm a, I'm a SAG actor. Like I need to vote on my contract thing actually real soon. Yeah. Um, so like, I know what that experience is. And the more I looked at it in script format, I was like, nobody can afford to shoot this. Yeah, well- Major I, studio, but... major network could. Indie filmmakers that are of my acquaintance, like that was not gonna happen. So I went back to wanting to make a book out of it. And yeah, yeah. Um, the final couple of, I again, it was, um, it was nine total restarts, just like start to finish. So when I tell people, yes, you can eventually publish your NaNoWriMo project, I don't mean the year you wrote it. Yeah, no. In fact, I was, I'm doing NaNoWriMo for the first time, but I've also been talking to lots of authors about NaNoWriMo and I'm telling them, do not send anything to a publisher in December, just, or, or you know, an agent, just don't, no. because we get inundated by 50,000 word novellas like that are, that have never been edited. Please don't do that, okay. <laughs> you know? Take your time. But yeah, this one turned out so well. And it's nice for not a pipe because sometimes we end up with books that are, th that were, you know, like th there's a trend and, you know, like, you know, something like you said, steampunk has its moment. And then the, the one that's really high quality is somebody comes out later. And it's it's not going to get snapped up by the the big five, you know. They're they're going nope, steampunk's done or what? You know, For we've sure. got some YA dystopia and people, you know, those are well, they're really good. Like, and so we can be the small press that goes, hey, this thing might not be the the you know the, the fashion, but if folks like steampunk, uh, those folks didn't disappear. Yeah, uh, I was and, really um, excited. Um, I I spent some time traditionally querying this book earlier this year, and the overwhelming response was. I love your voice. Your writing is good. This character is really engaging. I, I can't sell it. Right, right. And um, there, I mean, 
that you know I, because uh, it's just not what the big five is buying right now right and i i had the choice of whether i just i want to sit on it and see if the market comes around uh or not and i decided that what i was going to do is i was going to make a real short list of independent publishers and see what shook out and then maybe i was going to have to shelf it and sit on it until the market right. came around um y'all were first I love that. Because of uh, people watching and listening that don't know this, I met Benjamin at a panel at Rose City Comic Con in 2018, right after my debut came out. It was my first convention as a pro. Um, and Benjamin and a bunch of authors from Not A Pipe did a panel about the year of publishing women yeah. and about the small press experience. And as a debut small press author, I was really impressed with everything I heard with the way they represented their company, the small press experience as a whole. So just like always in my pocket was the idea that I wanted to pitch Not A Pipe at some point. Which um, is a, a a good lesson for folks out there who are interested in writing. Like it, the 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 networking with the people that you want to work with takes time, but it's really important. Like it's worth meeting the people and going. These are the folks that you know that get me. Like for sure. And so I I the the moment I was stalking y'all, I was stalking <laughs> you. Uh, and the moment I saw you were open, I was like, okay, here it is. This uh, is this is it. And and depending on if y'all had said no there might have been two or three others that that would have yeah, gotten yeah. the manuscript but um sorry to those yes, companies said but yes not really sorry. quickly and it was it's it's i think this is where this book was supposed to be all along um yeah i'm just i'm so happy well so. and part of the process and this you know I, I don't talk writing process but publisher process for for folks who are listening i mean we'll get 100 books and so then you kind of winnow that down and then yours was one of the first where we asked for a full and i read it and i was like absolutely yes but also i need to restrain myself and read these others that are the top of the list because who knows and i don't want to say yes to too many books i want to be able to devote my time and attention there are companies out there that just publish way too many books That's and true. that they just don't have the time for them uh and so try and keep our list small each year so that we can say okay these three or four titles maybe a couple more from some of our authors who have sequels and that's it. Like, and then, then we can devote the energy. And, uh, and so yours was the one where I was like, yes, yours. And a, there was a book, book of poetry. So this is not a competition between the two of you at all, but the, those two, I was like, absolutely. Like we need to grab these. And then I've got to read through all these and I'm going, so you became the bar. Like, okay. Am I in any way as excited about this as I am about Don Calamity? And, uh, uh, that, that you know that that was that was very nice. We ended up not you know of those like, oh gosh, we I think we winnowed it down to like fifteen, and we ended up going for three. Uh, and uh, and and I am so excited about all three. And one of them is this book of poetry, and then two novels, and then we've got a couple of sequels uh, by authors that we've already represented. That's the other thing we try and stick with the same people and foster their careers as much as we can. Uh, but yeah, and this one has series potential too. Hint hint. Uh, she does. So. She does. Um, um, let, we're going to find out. No spoilers here. But um, there are some people that are that are fixing to, to sit in front of a court of law when everybody gets home and starts tattling the tale. Um, so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The story ends in a satisfying way. And also you're like, and now I need to know right. what really will feel like 
I mean, it will be a very distinct story, but it's like the next chapter. Like this one, that, that's one of the things I liked about it is it does have a satisfying ending. You can go, okay, it's not to be continued. I'm not, you know, feeling like it's, you know, this this uh, cliffhanger that's totally leaving me hanging, but I do want to know what happens also, People are fixing to be in trouble. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's, uh, okay, that will be that. that so now I'll start the pressure campaign now to uh, to get that sequel. Okay. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, okay, so... Uh, when you're not out sailing <laughs> and you're not writing the sequels, um, one of the things I uh, always like to ask authors about is just as kind of a get to know you, if you yourself, not a D&D character you've played, because I know you know D&D a lot better than I do, but if you yourself were a D&D character, what would be your race and class? Um, a thing I do other than sailing is I also, um, I'm a musician. I've been a singer. My first job was singing in a bluegrass band. I currently sing with a rock and roll cover band. They sometimes let me play my guitar, although I'm very bad at it. Um, so I am a hundred percent like that tiefling bard your parents warned you about. Like I look kind of cuddly, but also harmful. Uh, yes. Awesome. That I, yes, the, 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 the yeah, the, the tiefling bard is, is, in many ways, a dangerous character to uh, to to run into at the you know at the at the at the pub. Uh, because, yeah, yeah, that's my karaoke, my friends. Yes. Um. So, you as the tiefling bard stumbling back from the uh, the the you know from from the alehouse uh, in, in the evening by yourself through the woods, and you are beset by three level one you know pretty easy goblins who jump out. What do you do? Um, I literally make sure that one of them gets a piece of me so that I can use Hellish Rebuke. Ah, so what it's is Hellish done. Rebuke? I don't know this. You're just done. And you're toast. Nice. Thanks for playing. So is it is it a like a, a, a what do they call that? A, a repost spell? So it's like they attack you and because they've done damage, you then get to do damage back? Yeah, it's a tiefling thing specifically that, yeah, the the slightest amount of damage to you, you can basically roast them. Nice. Excellent. So, and and then the other two, I'm presuming, would be like... And... It's area of effect, so... Oh, it is. <laughs> so they're done. Wow. That's, done. that's, uh, that's, that's an over... And it, does it count as a spell? Uh, I think it counts as a cantrip. Like, I don't even think it uses a spell slot. Wow. I could yes. be misremembering that. We may have, like, bigger nerds than me uh, coming up in the comments being like, no, no, you're using it wrong, uh, which is totally fair. But, um... Yeah, I'm I'm very disproportionate response, neutral <laughs> evil. Yes. Well, uh, but you know that fits the character very well too. <laughs> like, hey, we were all you know doing fine, having fun, listening to music back at the bar. You took a bite out of me in the woods. I'm just blowing you up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and then and then you dared. <laughs> yes. That's that's. So see, readers are getting to know you. This is a... it's true. Uh, I, I'm 45 now, but I tell you, when I turned 40, the last of my Fs evaporated. Um, yeah. I'm... Yep. Excellent. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, uh, so I'm going to have Doug, the producer, take us to our ad break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you what you've been daydreaming about lately. Hi, I'm Karen Eisenbray, and I wear a lot of hats. Wife, mother, church lady, writer, editor, punk rock drummer. I gave all my hats to Barbara, the main character of the Gospel According to St. Rage and Barbara and the Rage Brigade. 
Barbara isn't your typical high school junior. She's been invisible since the third grade. But when a magic hat brings her back into the light, Barbara is ready to take on the world. First priority, start an all-girl garage band. Miraculous superpowers were never in her plan. But sometimes you get what you need. Bullies and school shooters don't stand a chance. Truth, justice, rock and roll. So, Amanda, what have you been daydreaming about recently? Um, I've been daydreaming about pretty silver rocket statues. Um, I I had a party in 2021 during the Hugo Awards. I called it Not the Hugos. I actually modeled it after the whole, like, Not a Pipe vibe, whereas I put a big invitation up on Facebook with a picture of Hugo Awards, like, this is Not the Hugos. Um, I have 3D printed pretend Hugo Awards all over my house, and I have a 10-foot Hugo rocket in my vestibule, uh, all from this party. And last last year, 2022, um, so yeah, not the 2023 Hugos that just happened, but last year in Chicago, uh, it turned out when the long list came out, I was two nominations away from making the Hugo ballot. The way I screamed. The way yeah. I screamed, on, I'm driving home and I'm like checking it at um, stoplights. And that was a bad move. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, don't don't award show and drive, friends. It's not a good Because <laughs> um, I did have to pull over and scream. Yeah. Um, but ever since then, I've been like, I, I want I want, I want, want to go to the Hugo Losers party very badly. Yeah. Uh, and because of the way my release schedule has been over the last couple of years. Um, I have I had a book out this past Tuesday that qualifies my co-author and I for the best series category this year, uh, this coming year for Glasgow. And then I have uh, the sequel to my debut is coming out in 2024, which will qualify me alone for the best series category for the Seattle Hugo Awards. And so um, I just, I just really, I really want to have that Elwood's moment of seeing my name up on that list. Uh-huh. And uh, I want to go to the Hugo Losers party. So really I don't even know about the Hugo. So all the finalists have a party each year. There is an official Hugo Losers party. That's um, after amazing. the awards ceremony, the winners get to walk around with their trophies and the losers get to go like drown their sorrows. There's nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. there are people who have come close enough enough times that like they start to have genuine sadness. And I don't want to like underrepresent what that disappointment must feel like. But for someone like me, it would be huge, right? Yeah. yeah. Just seeing, seeing how close I was to the ballot was that exciting. Oh, like, yeah. Having my name on the ballot. That's it. That's all I need. And honestly, I want to lose the best series, Hugo, to the October Day books. Like what I want to do is lose this award to my best friend and my favorite series. Like, yeah, let's go. Yes. <laughs> That's what I want. Oh, uh, that would be so cool. Well, <laughs> I am trying to convince Crystal that we should honeymoon in Scotland and Ireland, which is not, you know, it's it's just the logistics so that we can go to Glasgow. So we may yes. be there. Also, <laughs> we'll see. Also you should just go to Scotland because oh, yeah. the Scotch. Oh yeah. 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 I, I, I have been before and she's never been. And I just am like the world con provides us with the time. Like, Oh yeah. We just have to make sure that our trip to Scotland is, you know, in this window. Uh, but yeah, that would be really cool. And also I'm just going to remind you because people in this business forget 
um, you publish sci-fi and fantasy, which would make the trip tax deductible. Uh-huh. That's right. Yes. That yeah, is your tax just thinking about that. Yeah, as I was uh, <laughs> renewing my membership to some, uh, to, to a local writer's group and I was, you know, going, got to make a mental note. This is also a tax deduction. I was like, and the Glasgow trip, I wonder how much of that would also be, because, you know, I would, heck yeah, I would absolutely be working that room. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Oh, that would be it's so a great. work trip. Yeah, work trip I mean, to Glasgow, and so I guess I have to. Yeah, I think sadly yeah. the art bag is not tax deductible, but um, yeah, but a lot uh, of it is. Yes, so that would be that would yes, but getting to go to that uh, that that loser party, and then the uh, and then the um, nebula is the uh, the uh, Sifwa, right? And that one yeah. is because that one is another one where I'm thinking for uh, Don Calamity. I've already been. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm, oh, absolutely. Um, yes. The the Nebula's reading list is interesting because you can't add yourself. Yeah. Or there's some, yeah. Uh, so we sort of, that is another reason, friends, that other authors are your colleagues, not your competition. Yes. Uh, there's a bunch of us up here and it's Laura Ann Gilman and it's Elsa Shunison and it's me and it's uh, Astrid Bear and it's, Karen Anderson and it's Shauna McGuire and like we can all add each other's books yes. to sing yeah because yeah. because hey I'll add yours if you'll add mine like sometimes you need that sometimes you need that colleague that is at your level who can put your name in for stuff yep yep because you cannot do it for yourself so yeah that's that would be that that's one where I've, I've already got my eye on because yeah Don Calamity I think fits so neatly into like if you like sci-fi you are gonna and then you know yeah so we'll, we'll see well we can we can we can hope uh, that would be very cool um so uh what else is you we talked about you've got the um the signing tomorrow or the day after this uh this airs uh what else is coming up for you um that's my next major thing and then uh i try to keep december pretty quiet i did just get back a, do a document that says the word final on it from my editor, my February release. So I've got going to read through that, read through Calamity one more time to make sure. I found like three typos in it after I sent it to you. And I'm like, of course I did. Yeah. Um, that, that though is a lesson. If you are a pre-published author and you are wondering about when you send your samples off, like how much somebody's going to ding you for one or two typos. It's 109,000 words. I found three typos in it and this book still sold. I signed the contract. We're talking about it. So no, and the thing, um, one of the things that that I, I think you know readers don't understand is you'll find a book on your shelf that's got three typos, and that is not because the author necessarily left three typos. I've had errors in our books that ended up being there because in the process of the editing, you had too many hands in the kitchen, and so you have somebody saying, "I think you should change this phrase to this," and then the author goes, "Yes, I think I will change the phrase to that," and then the word in between gets repeated like, or something, and this away. word ends in there, and so then you know people are like, "Oh, this this you know this book had errors," you know, and it's like, yeah, even the the really high quality stuff out there has errors, and it doesn't mean the author repeated the word too. It's because you had three people involved. My uh, husband found an error in a celebrity memoir. Yep. in line to have it signed yeah yep so it he happens. showed it to the celebrity quietly <laughs> he was like hey just so you know i found this and you know what he did he ripped, whipped out a post-it he wrote it down he's like thank you we'll fix it in the next edition yep, like exactly didn't put it in a review on amazon like didn't complain about it loudly didn't point it out but did like show the people responsible hey just so you know yeah 
like yeah. wasn't a jerk about it. Um, but yeah, it happens. And so I'm going to go over this one one more time. Yes. Yeah. But I would never be like, oh no, this, this entire novel has three errors. This is an insurmountable obstacle. Now we have had books where they come in and I'm like, this is a clever idea, but the cost of editing this thing is going to be so much that it it just doesn't make sense because it is so full of errors. So you do have to do that pass, make sure that it's clean, but yeah, three errors. That's not, uh, that is not a barrier. (laughs) Three errors is you know probably the cleanest i've ever seen a manuscript that comes to us that's that's really good so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do the the kid being off school for a while thing we'll probably take the boat out a little over the holidays winter sailing is cold but it's fun um still gonna be practicing with the band just gonna like be a little chill and then come january it's gonna be like this all the time it's gonna be yeah. like book release book release book release book release so so does the band have you had gigs or are you getting yeah. to that place Oh yeah. Um, I, I sat in with them the day I met them because that's just how they roll. And, um, yeah, I've played with them four or five shows at this point. Uh, last time I actually, I had like five songs I played on my guitar as well as singing. And that was, it was weird. It's strange, but it's like, it's cool. It's cool. It's fun to be bad at something. Um, it's fun to try new things as, as, as a person now old enough to like, not care that much about the judgment of other people. So well, That's and I think the, uh, the 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 kind of ambition we bring into it changes too. Like, oh, I am going to learn and enjoy this thing rather than this must become my my entire future, you know. And uh, uh, Kurt Clopton, one of our authors, has uh, uh, you know a band where they get together and what is you know they just play for the sake of the joy of it and they don't even have gigs and they're just loving it. And uh, so that's you know I think it, 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 there is a generational thing there. I have a very bad habit of my hobby turning into my job Mm -hmm. Um, when I was 15 I used to sing for fun and then I joined a band and it became my job and so then singing was my job but dance and theater that was my hobby and then musical theater became my job and so then I was doing tv and independent film for fun that was my hobby film filmmaking was my hobby and theater was my job and then I booked one too many commercials and suddenly now I'm a professional actor I have to join the union two of them um yeah Thank God we merged. Um, but so then now now TV acting is also my job. Uh, and so that's okay. Acting in all ways, that is my job. I'm going to write stories for fun. That's my hobby. I write fan fiction. I write stories for fun. Um, and then I sold a short story and then I sold a book. And now, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming up into, I've got four books published and three more under contract. So now that is also my job. And so now I play guitar and I bake cakes and those are my hobbies and you can't pay me to do it. Yeah, and and and- those other jobs didn't go away. Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Correct. I'm still in the actors union. Like I could still right? do that at any point. Um, and I love it. And I love that I was able to achieve that. That's that's a big deal. A yeah. lot of people want to be a singer or a dancer or a musical theater performer or a TV actor and and never get there. Yeah. And I understand that like I'm saying when I'm like my hobby became my job like four different times, my diamond shoes are too tight and my wallet is too small for my 50s. Yeah. Like I understand like how ridiculous that can sound, but it really is important to have things that capitalism isn't in charge of or doesn't like have their fingers in that pie at all so I do think it's fun that I've come full circle and I'm back to making music and I do gig in public but I'm not getting paid for that most of the time um usually if we get paid at all it goes into like the pot for the band and it pays for the band like to drink that night and it pays for the band's equipment and um 
And then again, I bake cakes and that's fun. And sometimes people ask me if they can pay me back for a cake. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, brother played in a band for, and, and the, the our successful gig was one where the, uh, the, you know, they were, they were traveling and it was, you know, it covered the hotel, it covered the gas and it covered the beer. Yes, and, we you know, even. Yeah. And most of the time they wouldn't even do that. You know, like it was, uh, you know, and then they were, they were pretty successful. Uh, they were touring, but yeah, it's, it's, it is not, it's not lucrative the way I think I imagined as a kid, like, oh yeah, you're a rock star. <laughs> like, you know, it's very much, I mean, I think writing is a lot the same. I think people yeah. who are outside of the arts have this perception that everyone who is making a living doing the thing must be that top tier person. Right. The only musicians they know of are Taylor Swift and Dolly Parton and Beyonce and the Rolling Stones. The only authors they know of are Stephen King and like, you know, Brandon Sanderson. Um, and that's not the reality for most of us. There are plenty of us toiling in obscurity. There are plenty of us that are that are paying the bills doing nothing but the art thing that we love, but we're not household names. Yeah. And people will, especially like hometown people, if you're from someplace small, well, like poo-poo the idea that you want to go into the arts for a living. And it's because their idea of success is only that like super narrow margin. Yeah. They don't understand what you want to do enough to understand that tens of thousands of people have that job and do that job. Like you don't have to be a household name yeah. to be a success, depending on your success metric in whatever it is you want to do. And I find that all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a traditionally published author. Right. You've never heard of me. Right. That's still what I do. Well, uh, I, I think it was uh, uh, McGuire who talked about going to, was it the Nebulas or the the Hugos? And like, nobody recognized her because nobody sees, you know, authors. So it's not the kind of thing where somebody's like, oh, yeah, you. Like, no, you know, it, you know, uh, she's been very successful. And still was, I, don't know, I believe she'd won. It was the uh, I do think, won. yeah, I think it was the one of the first years that she won that people didn't. And also, <laughs> like, nobody's author photo looks exactly like what they're going to turn up looking like at a party, especially those of us that dye our hair weird colors. Yes. Like, yeah, like, this is this is my very serious author photo, and this is my purple hair and my bright pink ball gown. Like, it's not the same. If I can get the beard to be like long enough to like tuck into my belt, I think it would be distinguished enough that people would be like the beard guy. Which was never me. This is a COVID thing. But, you know, like, I'm just going to stick with it. Go, go for the it. wizard beard that can eventually, you know, make me somebody that people can identify on the street. That would be it. that. That's that's a goal. You're the wizard guy. With, yes. With um, so uh, what's something that has. Oh, uh, before we get to that, what is uh, your idea for the weekly poll? What I, you know, I'm not always consistent about running these, but uh, but when I do the weekly poll, what would be a question you'd want to ask the world? OK, here it is, because it has been American Thanksgiving and it's been all over my Twitter feed. Are you a stuffing person or are you a dressing person? That is, does the cornbread at all go in the bird and have to be cooked that way? Or do you prefer it like cooked separately in a casserole dish? Regardless of like the word you use, I know there's also like a whole semantic, like you call it stuffing, even if you cook it separately, not where I'm from. Yeah, that's true. Um, and the stuffing and the dressing where I grew up, they were not the same substance. They were similar. They had ingredients in common, but they were not the same. And so you best know which one you're asking for seconds of, you're going to get the wrong thing. I, I need to be caref careful with how I word this because I don't want to disparage anyone, but I think it's safe to say 
the best thing about my ex-mother-in-law was her stuffing. Uh, uh, you know, that's that uh, I won't put anything else, any other caveats other than to say that no. was the best thing about her. Uh, and uh, and I, I I will miss that stuffing. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and it was but it was stuffing and dressing. So she would do some in the bird and luckily a large enough quantity in a casserole dish for me because the, the amount in the bird would not have been enough because it was so excellent. Uh, right. But yeah, and, and you can tell the difference. Like, okay, this was what was in the bird. This was what was, you know, in the casserole dish, although both were so good. And there was a lot of the bird then put into the one that was in the casserole dish too, you know. That and, was... then, and then gravy. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, but that's a great question. We'll ask folks, which they, you know, where, where, which, where do they side? Uh, and yeah, for me, it's, if it is high enough quality stuffing, it can also be dressing and it can, it can work, but uh, yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, you know, it's not something you buy at the store out of a box. Uh, how about you? What's your, uh, what, which, which way do you go? If, if you, if you had to put a, you know, a, a finger on the scale there. So I usually am a dressing person and it is largely because I like to put aromatics in the turkey. So it flavors the meat a little differently because then I've got the rosemary and the sage and the fresh thyme and, and like usually a piece of an onion, like half a lemon stuff in the turkey. And that would that. like, it would sully the cornbread experience. Yeah. So I do the dressing in a separate casserole and then I make the gravy from the drippings of the turkey that had all the aromatics in it. Yes, yes. Last week's question was about, uh, uh, was uh, Dan McCoy was asking about uh, gravy, which kind of gravy. So what's your preferred kind of gravy? Yes. <laughs> excellent um, as long as the person knew what they were doing yeah as long as you've gotten browned flour like I, you can thicken it with white flour but why would you do that to yourself mm. um brown the flour first and then you make the roux properly and then add the the juices or if it's coming straight out of the pan you can whisk the browned flour into the already combined fat and and juices because like you don't have to skim the fat off uh but you got to do that immediately while it's all still hotter that's not going to work yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah and i'm just for me it's any gravy i'm, I'm like you yes gravy yes. good except yes, the gravy mushroom i just am not a mushroom person and so much mushroom gravy is can of mushroom soup and you know it's like yeah it's just not... i have i have not experienced mushroom gravy that involves a can of mushroom soup i don't even make green bean casserole with a can of mushroom soup yeah. i do I uh, saute the mushroom, the porta, like portobello slices in like a whole stick of butter. And then you add like a pint of cream and then you reduce it. And then when that's the right consistency, that's what you put in your green beans. So I'm not a can of soup person at all. I um, think a lot of folks in the Midwest, and maybe this was just my bad luck. Can of mushroom soup was an ingredient in lots of church potluck items. And it was like, this is how we can ruin these good things. And, you know, if you don't like mushrooms anyway... Uh, I was like, oh, what did, what did you put between the good stuff here? Oh, you just dumped a can of mushroom soup between the good things. Ah, so I do. I I am a person. I'm not a big enough food snob to say that cream of mushroom soup doesn't have a place, but it is not the the ubiquitous ingredient that I think a lot of people treat it to be. I mushroom gravy to me is an interesting sentence because most of the time i've had a mushroom sauce the person who has made mm. the mushroom thing is not trying to call it gravy um if it's gravy there are things that it needs to have and um the only really really good mushroom gravy i've ever had was um 
a friend who was vegetarian who was making like faux sausage gravy and used mushrooms where you would use sausage crumbles, but it was still like there was real cream and there was cracked pepper and it, that was good. So um, it was vegetarian, but not vegan. Like that's correct. Yeah, correct. Um, but I could I could imagine someone making something and calling it mushroom gravy and it involving a can of condensed soup and that being a big nope. Yeah, I I, yeah. Can, yeah. I, 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 I understand where you're coming from there because that sounds tragic. Well, and it can just be a kind of like, oh, this tastes lazy. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Not lazy foods that are good. Like if you want to make a lazy food, my friend, Jiffy Cornbread Mix exists. Oh, I mean, my my cooking ability, like the, the height of my cooking ability is a charcuterie board. Like lazy, I'm fine with. I don't want it to taste lazy. Like, exactly, you know, like yeah. the, the people yeah. who made these these meats and cheeses, they worked hard. They like, work you hard. know, like, that hard. that's where the quality is. It's not, I just arranged it. On, on not necessarily even uh, a you know a wooden board, but a, you call it a charcuterie board on a plastic plate. And right. if it's I mean, I'll do it on. Properly, a, I have bamboo cutting boards. Yeah, sure. Uh, I have central <laughs> air, which um, if you're listening from elsewhere in the country, not everybody in the Pacific Northwest has, and it gets hot sometimes. Not every year, and not for very long. But the last few years, you've had a couple of days above 100 degrees, and houses here are built to keep heat in, not to let heat out. So it just it's a hot mess, literally. So. Yeah, yeah between my central air conditioning and we have like a bounce house thing that you hook the hose up to and it has like water slides and a little pool at the bottom um we we are the house that people come to when it's a zillion degrees outside and you know what i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna cook so my charcuterie game is on point all summer i keep gorgeous cold cuts and fancy cheeses in my fridge so that if people are coming i could just slap it down um i have a fan he's amazing um calls himself ted internet the internet um that every time i finish a book sends cheese to my house i just wind up with a box of like really nice farm cheese in like a refrigerated container this and that he makes this is like no this is someone who bought who like knows of cool places to buy cheese that'll ship to my house um and I will get a note. Congratulations on finishing your book, The Internet. And um, this I, is I the get, best fan. How do I, I get, get this from fan? The internet. It's yeah, it's amazing. I want cheese from the internet. <laughs> I have got to connect with this person. I don't even need you know to like know more. I don't want to like invade this person's privacy. I just want the cheese. Like that is yeah, and the cheese as a as a celebration. I mean, you know that, that it's that there's a nice connection there too. Yes. Like, I, I have accomplished this and the internet gives me cheese. The internet has, has provided me with cheese. <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh, that is so, I, I, now I also want to see if I can maybe be that person for someone else. Like, hey, the internet provides you cheese because you have accomplished this great thing. That That's a good person. Whoever that person is, that person is like my kind of, I, 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 my secular saint. Right? Just delivers cheese to people to for for being great writers. That's I think the world would be a better place if we rewarded each other with cheese more often. Yes, yes, you know, and especially not needing credit. Like I just give cheese to people, and ah, oh, that the yeah, that that person's a saint. Now we need now we need somebody who's an artist to make a uh, like one of those uh, saint uh, uh, you know pictures of Ted the Internet, the cheese delivering saint. 
uh and you know yeah. yes uh, fan art out there if you're if you're an artist we would love ted the internet the guy right? who delivers it's, it's, i believe it's theodore internet you can find on i don't think they're on the x twitter anymore though i think they they bailed on that platform but yeah because they, they have the kind of soul that would not uh go well with you know x as it currently stands i can understand so yes we'll have to find theodore internet and uh and see if i see if i can get, get theodore internet to be my my fan too because that's awesome um so uh what are some things that you are looking forward to reading oh okay um tuesday uncanny vows which is the sequel to laura ann gilman's uncanny times mm. comes out and um it's like turn of the last century, New England brother sister team. They've got this big rad dog named Botheration, who um, is was That's based good. on a real uh, dog breed that has since gone extinct, but like is got a little magic to him. Like it's so cool. It's exactly like my flavor of historical urban fantasy. And also, Laura Ann's just an amazing writer and, and a cool person. So I'm super looking forward to that. Um, also. Some of my colleagues at DEFCON 1 have got stuff coming out like in December and January before my book comes out in February. So I am very much going to be like hoarding those things so that right leading up to my book launch, I can just dive into that world and just sort of stay there for a while. Yeah. Um, like I said, Melinda Mitchell's new book is coming out in December uh, from Eris Entertainment, and she has fought so long and so hard to find a home for this book. And she is just such a great friend and a great person. I read another book of hers that is uh has yet to find a home. Yeah, somebody buy this book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I just I'm really excited for her. There's something about a debut, um, especially when you know how long somebody has just been in the trenches trying to 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 get there. Uh, so I'm super excited to read that and to scream in her general direction because I know what that feels like. That's well, like and we also know what it feels like. You know, the the uh, trying to remember, it was, I think it was Douglas Copeland who said the uh, the run up to your book launch is the calm before the calm, because yeah. then your book comes out and it's you know nothing happens for a while. I mean, you know, it's just okay now that's out in the world. But you've been, like you said, you've been waiting for years for this moment. And so being that person who can be shouting at her and saying, this is a really big deal and you should feel like this is an this incredible accomplishment. Uh that is a that's a great way to to support her. So I am sure you will be shouting into the world uh of social media as well. Where can folks be finding you there to to see all these other folks you are going to be letting them know about? Right. All my friends' books and also mine. Um, I am at Manda the Ginger, because I'm naturally a redhead. You can't tell because it's purple now. Um, on Blue Sky, TikTok, and the X Twitter. Um, I also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash the ginger villain, and my website, thegingervillain.com. Um, those get updated less often than they probably should. Uh, I got real good at updating my GeoCities page in 1999, and it's been all downhill since then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so there's that. Um, but yeah, mostly, mostly on Blue Sky and formerly Twitter and TikTok. Um, I lurk on TikTok almost as much as I post um, because the filter I used to use they stopped um, supporting, and so like I can't just 
be straight out of the shower and like pop on and make a video because I don't have the filter to make it look like I've done all this to my face. Um, this uh, this I actually had to do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I have I, two hours to get camera ready. TikTok is dangerous for me just as a time suck. Like I'm, you know, I'm, my, my fiance will send me a single video and I'm like, well, there goes an hour because now I'm going to watch that one. And then, okay, now, you know, TikTok is just going to take over my life. So, and, and the same yes. thing, you know, even when your video is loading, like you make a video and then as it's loading, it shows you the next thing. Uh -huh. And, like, and it's going to be, it's going to be the girl yeah. in Arkansas with the corgis. And then it's going to be the, the horse farmer that just got the mini cows. And then it's, yeah. I'm gonna and then that's it. That content. was my day. What did you do content. today? I made a video and then I watched TikTok for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> like, for it's, sure. yeah it's, it is, it is dangerous. Um, Absolutely. But, that is you know, we have to be on all these places. Uh, but yeah, whereas I keep going to Twitter just out of habit. And then I'm like, why am I here? This isn't better stuff than what's going on on, on threads and, and uh, blue sky now. And so I'm, but I, I, I find I'm spending, I'm still spending a lot of time there because I used to spend a lot of time there. So I'm going to have to I, break that. I had to move the icon on oh, my phone. That's a good I idea. I moved it. So I, so when I like just instinctively go up and click there, I'm clicking blue sky now. Instead that's a good of call. The I'm going to do that today. Swap yep. them. Just on, I'll move the, I'll move the Twitter one to another page so that it's, you know, I would have to intentionally go. Uh, I because, swap them. You know, yeah. I, the only reason I keep it on my front page is um, I'm part of a group. A got a couple of like group chats on there. And one of them is the Star Trek snack squad that got started at the beginning of the WGA strike. And we went all 119 days. We kept Star Trek writers and Star Trek actors fed and hydrated and oh, that's great. snacks and, and treats and, and little souvenir towels and buttons. Like we, we went all out and um, we are planning some meetups. Our fearless leader is, is author Claire Willett. She lives in Portland and um, we are hoping to get all the Pacific Northwest people together uh, cool. here real soon. So I can't completely divest from that platform because that's right. where I'm going to find out if, if I need yeah. to drive to Portland, the go details. have tea. Yes, exactly. There is still a valuable information on Twitter if you can, you okay. know, sift just, through. Also, though, I cure that experience real tightly. So I know terrible things are happening over there, but they are not happening in my eyeballs because yeah. my block yeah. list is tight and my yeah. allowed tight. Have, um, you, have you noticed your ads getting real weird? So the um, advertisers have the advertisers that used to be, you know, it was it was all your traditional giant mega corporations. Well, they're all gone. I'm only and, getting political candidates now and I just block them. Yeah, yeah. No, those you block, but I'm getting some weird ads where it's like uh uh Univision, like it's it's stuff that's from other countries. Oh wow, no, uh, it's I not get, even in I English. Get, and I'm like, wow, the, you know, this is where I get like yeah. fast fashion and like cheap stuff, and exactly. then I get like political candidates and I just block it. And... But yeah. it is amazing how many like iterations of an ad account some of these companies have. Yeah. Because I will think I blocked them and I had, and then I get it again. I'm like, well, and I think that's what's happening is some of the big American companies have gone, but that, that American company's got a branch in wherever. And now I'm getting, they, they still have an account and they're still, you know, on there. And so now I'm getting it in another language and I'm like, yeah, wow, I'm like, Elon, this is not going well for you. Like I am not going to buy something from this person. It's not because they didn't create a lovely ad. I mean, it did, you know, it, I'm sure it's fine. I don't understand the language that is now showing up on my Twitter feed. Good job, Elon. You're, you're, you're a real yeah. genius. Well yeah. done, sir. Well done. Uh, um, so, okay. So the next question I've got for you is who else should I have on this show? 
oh my gosh, you should have so many. I have so many friends. I could do this all day. Um, you should definitely have Laura Ann Gilman on the show. She's a joy and a delight and an excellent writer. She's been in the business for a long time. She's worked as an author and an editor and she's worked in traditional publishing in New York and she's worked in small press publishing and she's done some self-published. So like she is a font of good information and also just a really cool person. Um, you should have Elsa Shunison on the show. Uh, not only is she an incredible writer and amazingly creative person, she has lived just the most colorful and extremely interesting life and she is one of the greatest advocates for accessibility and uh disabled yeah. spaces in sci-fi and fantasy and the creative world at large and really the world as a whole um i always always talk to elsa always listen to elsa um obviously my beloved co-author eric's got to be i think is super charming um and he he's done a lot of work in the forgotten realms written official D D content uh, he is our our dungeon master over at the the Grey Mantle game, uh, and he also writes just really fun, delightful, wicked superhero books that I enjoy uh, and that I enjoy working with him on. Um, but the whole reason this trilogy that I just had a book come out uh, last week happened is because we we got this idea for an anthology, and he went, "My girl, that's for Vivian, would really like to hook up with your girl," and I was like, "Hook up how?" And he's like, "Exactly." Uh, so that's how that happened. Um, and then again, I say. Um, as her debut looms, I think you should have Melinda Mitchell on. I think you would really yeah. enjoy talking to her about her journey into, again, being a small breast debut author and and what it has taken her life as a parent and a professional. And she's got a career that takes her all over the world. She just moved to Wisconsin last year. Oh, yeah, yeah no, that know, would be good. I'll see, if, I'll see if we can get her in December, you know, right in that in that window. That would be wonderful. So, yeah. she, um, you know, what they, you know what they, they have at brunch in Wisconsin? What? Bloody Marys with beer chasers. I'm like, I've never been to Wisconsin, but between the cheese and the Bloody Mary with a beer chaser. Yeah, that sounds, that doesn't sound, tomato juice and beer does not sound good to me. Oh, but see, I like my Bloody Marys so spicy, they'll take the, like, pigment off the straw. And so having a beer chaser is smart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> really, it's washing it down. <laughs> you just gotta yeah. get, again, you don't want to take the enamel off your teeth, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> chasing your nice, excellent. One of those, one of those things that's proof I'm from the Gulf Coast is that I, I'm white, but I'm not Tabasco sauce is spicy white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, no, no, I I'm, I want it. I, I, you're gonna put some horseradish in there, like. <laughs> yes, yes. There are that there are different kinds of spicy than just hot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, recognize yes. Uh, excellent. Well, yes, I will reach out to all of those folks because that would be really cool to get them on there. Um, okay, so uh, some folks I need to thank before we finish up here. Uh, thanks to the artist Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro song, uh, I Prefer the Dusk. Let Max know that you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland with three Ds. Thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. Uh, if you're in a band and would like your song used on the show, I would love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song. So email me, Amanda, if you if the band wants uh, any, does any original stuff that they want, uh, we would love more music for the show. Um, thanks to Doug, the producer, for making uh, this show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. Thank you, Doug. I uh, cannot forget to mention Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing. So please go to notapipepublishing.com and check out the amazing books written by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. If you like this show, rate and review it wherever you found it. And please check out Amanda's Bad Intentions, which just dropped the other day. I mean, we're Tuesday. talking. Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. Yes. So get your copy of Bad Intentions. And when you do... 
please give it that fifth star. Give it a review. It really makes a big difference. It would make Manda's day. Let folks know that you uh, that you enjoyed the book. So give Bad Intentions your your review, and uh, for this show as well, click on that. You know, I'm, I am far too old to say smash that like button, but please gently tap on the like button an odd number of times. Uh, I would appreciate it. Uh, okay, so uh, Amanda and I have a few things we would like you to remember for this next week. Uh, Amanda, how about you? What is your advice um, for everybody? What is my advice for the next week? I like wrote it down and everything. Um, basically, uh, to remember that joy is a difficult to source, but also bottomless commodity. So beg, borrow, steal, create as much as you possibly can. More joy for you is not mean less for other people. It's not pie. Uh, I like that. Um, and I always say to folks, a book without spaces would be gibberish and our lives need spaces too. So don't ignore the spaces. And third, no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of you. If I take my time.